0: Hello, everyone. This is the 36th episode of the Soccer Nostalgia Talk podcast. As always, this is Sean from Los Angeles, and I'm joined by Paul from in England. For this episode, we started a new interview series with Mr. Roberto Brambia, as we discuss the matches of the West German national team for the 1980-81 season. Mr. Brambia is an Italian freelance journalist and a contributor at Italian newspaper Avenir. He is also the author of an Italian-language book on East German football titled C'era una volta all'est, story di calcio della Germania orientale e contropiede. Once Upon a Time in the East, the
1: story of East German football. Hello,
2: Roberto. Thank you for joining us on the podcast
1: Thank you for the invitation, because uh, for me, it's the first time on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean, because I did something with European channels, or the European colleagues, but never from the United States.
2: That's great. Just to, to kick us off, could you just tell us a little bit about your background and your early football memories?
1: Yes, I was born in 1984. I'm quite young, I'm uh, 36, the next uh, July, i 37. I am like almost every Italian journalist or uh, every Italian citizen. I'm passionate of football, every kind. I could see Serie A, but my focus is on Bundesliga. And I started to watch it in Italy at the beginning of the 90s, because it w- I was seven, eight years old, and it was the first time that uh, the a uh, pay-per-view channel, a cable television channel, broadcast the matches. And for me, it was uh, like uh, an illumination for me. Normally, they broadcast one, two, three matches by week, and I saw every match. Of course, when Germany play after Italy, I support Germany, and uh, I see, for example, the major tournaments... I've watched not every, but uh, the most of German national teams. Why I'm so passionate by uh, German football? Because first of all, I like German culture. I speak German. I studied German in the high school at the university. And uh, because in Italy, German football is only for so few fans because uh, we have the language barrier and normally... We prefer La Liga or Premier League, or sometimes uh, South American leagues uh, like uh, the Primera Division Argentina or something else. That's my background. And uh, since more than 10 years, I began to write as journalist. And in the last five years, I write about a lot of sports, but especially about German football. And that's the passion, and the other passion is the East Germany, because I studied it at the university, and when I decided to write the first book with a friend of mine, I began to study in deep the East German football, and I tried to give one of the first contributions on East German football. That's a bit my background.
0: Let's start off this, this season, 1980-81. We start off in the fall of 1980. West Germany under Jupp Derval has just won the 1980 Euros in Italy and were regarded as the best team in Europe. This side had been unbeaten since losing to Austria during the 1978 World Cup. Josef Jupp Derval was appointed as West Germany manager following the 1978 World Cup, replacing long-serving manager Helmut Schoen. In fact, Derval had been Helmut Schön's assistant for a number of years. In his first two years as national team manager, Derval had rejuvenated a side that was now without the likes of Franz Beckenbauer, Bertie Vox, and Bernd Holzenbein, just to name a few. The 1980 Euros victory had been achieved with the rise of new stars led by Karl-Heinz Rummenigge and including the likes of Hansi Müller, Karl-Heinz Forster, Hans-Peter Briegel, Klaus Alofs, the talented and controversial Bernd Schuster, and Uli Stilicke, the new liberal. In fact, one of Derval's successful tactical switches during the 1980 Euros had been moving Stielike from midfield into the liberal position to great effect. The immediate objective of the national team was the 1982 World Cup qualifiers, but the season would start with a number of friendlies. West Germany started its season with a friendly on September 10th at Basel versus Switzerland. Ongoing problem for Derval would be the availabilities of Real Madrid-based Uli Stielike and later on Barcelona-based Bernd Schuster, which we shall get to. Uli Stilike was not released by Real Madrid for this friendly, and this angered Derval. The player's contract stipulated his release only for competitive international matches and not friendlies, and Real Madrid were within their rights not to release him. But Derval was furious because he needed to see Stilike in a friendly setting before competitive matches. We start this season at Basel St. Jacob Park with Switzerland hosting West Germany. For this first match of the season, Jupp Derval selected the following squad. Harald Schumacher of Köln in goal, Manfred Kaltz, SV Hamburg, Bern Schuster of Köln, he was uh, replacing Ulrich Stilicke as Libero for this match. Karl-Heinz Forster of Stuttgart. Captain of the side, Bernard Dietz of Duisburg. Hans-Peter Briegel of Kaiserslautern. Felix Magath of Hamburg. Hansi Müller of Stuttgart. Karl-Heinz Rummenigge of Bayern Munich. Horst Trubesch of Hamburg. And Klaus Olofs of Fortuna Dusseldorf. And I will quickly go through the Switzerland lineup as well, managed by Leo Walker. You have Karl Engel of Servette Geneva in goal. He'll be replaced by Roger Berbig of Grasshopper Zurich in the 46th minute. Roger Verli of Grasshopper. Jörg Stoller of Basel. Heinz Ludi of FC Zurich. Alan Ballet of Sion. Heinz Hermann of Grasshopper. Ernie Mason of Basel. Rene Botteron of Kohl in West Germany, Hans-Jörg Fister of Grasshopper, Marcus Tanner of Basel, Claudius Sulzer of Grasshopper. He'd be replaced by Raimondo Ponte of Nottingham Forest in England in the second half. As far as this match, West Germany would win 3-2. They would take a 3-0 lead. Hansi Müller would score in the 18th minute and the 69th minute. And Felix Magath would score in the 66th minute. The Swiss would reduce the deficit towards the end. Hans-Jörg Pfister would score in the 84th minute, and Rene Botteron would score a penalty kick in the 88th minute. The score was somewhat flattering to the Swiss in the end, as West Germany clearly dominated this match. So it was a good first win for the season.
1: I think that the focus point. I will tell you that the problem was the Libero, because I know that Germany play Libero, until the mid-90s. It was uh, one of the last football moments they didn't uh, use the Libra anymore after 20 years. The team was so solid. Remember that they won the European Championship, but uh, two years before, they lost in the worst way the World Cup in Argentina. That was a moment where, as you told me perfectly, Durval tried to change the team. And we have a lot, of, in this team, we have a lot of class, but we have also a lot of experience. The first, I can mean one only, is, was Oss Rubesch. Oss was the match winner in the final in Italy against Belgium. And it was the, maybe in that moment, with Karl-Heinz the best German forward, one of the 10 best forwards in Europe. But it was also uh, one of the last, uh, alongside Romanique, one of the last uh, kind of uh, number nine in that kind in Germany. Because the problem after was that they have never had a number nine with such power, because it was so powerful. It was not so technique, Rubens. But uh, in the last six meters, it was football killer. Perfect. Excellent
0: header of the goal, basically.
1: Yes, of course.
0: We must mention that, like you said, it was an experienced side. We had Dietz as captain. He was one of the leftovers from 78. Others, like Rummenigge, he was still young, but he had some experience behind him, and he would win the Ballon d'Or that season and the year after. So at this point, Rummenigge was considered one of the greatest players in the world. We mentioned Klaus Olofs. His reputation was built after the hat-trick against uh, Holland in the 1980 Euros, and he would remain in the side for the years to come. We'll get to Schuster in time, but also Hans-Peter Brigel, the decathlon athlete. He had started as a decathlon athlete, had built a reputation at unfancied Kaiserslautern with him in the side and also Andri Bremer around the same time. They managed a few UEFA Cup qualifications. In time, he would go to Italy and be called
1: Panzer. One of the best defenders in the 80s. And uh, during 80s in Serie A, do you know very well, there are an uh, amount of great players. He can play on the sideline, but also as a central defender. As a great, as you said, he was a decade lead at the beginning of his career but it was really one of the most impressive players because he developed a lot during the years and also under tactics, it was perfect because in Italy, in the, in the middle of the 80s, it was maybe the most technical league in the world, also today, but in the past, it was a where the time of Saki. You have to be able to play tactics. And Brigel was one of the best, also in teams that they are not top-level teams. They play with mid- and half-serial teams, and they was at every season was one of the best.
0: You know, in the following season, Bernd Schuster, who by then was at Barcelona, he suffered a very bad injury that would force him to miss most of a season. And there was some media speculation that Brigel could be a prospective replacement. But then Barcelona manager Udo Latek, the West German Udo Latek, he kind of dismissed Brigel as just muscles, which is unfair because there was more to his game than that. But he was always looked upon as this physical force that had to be reckoned with. The rest of his career showed that he was more than that. Winning the Serie A with Verona proves that there was more to him than that. We come to the next match in the season, the next friendly, on October 11th against perennial rivals Holland, this time at uh, Eindhoven's Philips Stadion. Just a few months before they had met in the Euros and we mentioned that Klaus Alofs had scored a hat-trick in a 3-2 win. At this point, the Dutch were a rebuilding side. The Great Holland of the 70s at this point. There were some leftover players, but that team was all but finished and they had to build a new side. For this match on October 11th, Derval selected the following squad. In goal, Harald Schumacher of Köln. He'd be replaced by international debutante the 19-year-old Ike Emel of Borussia Dortmund, who replaced him in the second half. At the age of 19, Ike Emel became the youngest ever goalkeeper selected by West Germany. And of course, Paul, you remember Ike Emel eventually would join Man City, I believe in the 90s. Yeah, much later on. Yeah,
2: much like yeah. later. <laughs> like-
0: yeah, just talking about Ike Emel, the only time where he, he was a starter for West Germany was following the 1986 World Cup into the 88 Euros. So that was bookended between Harald Schumacher and the rise of Bodo Ilgener. So for just for those two years, he was Germany's number one. But yeah, he was always in the scene, but he was unlucky to have been a contemporary of both of these players who had the confidence of the managers more. He would join Stuttgart, win the Bundesliga there, also Man City later on. This was his debut. So then you have Manfred Kaltz of Hamburg. Another debutant, Kurt Niedermeyer of Bayern Munich. This would be his one and only cap for West Germany. You have Karl-Heinz Forster of Stuttgart. captaining the side, Bernard Dietz of Duisburg. Hans-Peter Brigel of Kaiserslautern. Felix Magath of Hamburg. Hans-Müller of Stuttgart. Karl-Heinz of Bayern Munich. Horst Trubesch of Hamburg, and Klaus Olofs of Fortuna Dusseldorf. As far as the Dutch side, you have Hans van Bruycklen of Utrecht, future Nottingham Forest, future PSV Eindhoven. Ben Weinsteckers of Feyenoord, he'd replaced by KJ Molinar of Ajax in the 84th minute. Willy van der Kerkhoff of PSV Eindhoven. Ronald Sipelbos of uh, AZ67 Alkmaar. Would become Dutch champions that season. Ernie Brants of PSV Eindhoven, Martin Yol of Twente Enschede, Jos Jonker of AZ 67 Alkmaar. He'd replaced by John Metgott of AZ 67 Alkmaar in the 46th minute. Pete Wiltjoot of PSV Eindhoven, captaining the side, Jan Peters of AZ 67 Alkmaar. Tuan van Mierlo of Willem II Tilburg, Pierre Vermeulen of Feyenoord, and he'd be replaced by Pierre Toll of AZ-67 Alkmaar in the 68th minute, and a side managed by Jan Svartkvist. So as you see, this Dutch side, there are a couple of recognizable names, but most of the other players are newcomers to the national team who make a few fleeting appearances, but never really make much of an impact. So it was a rebuilding side. As far as the match itself, West Germany would take the lead in the 35th minute through Horst Trubesch. Just five minutes later, the Dutch would tie the match through Ernie Brands, and the match would end 1-1. We have to also mention that by this point, Bern Schuster had joined Barcelona. And much like Real Madrid not releasing him, Derwall would have a problem with Barcelona, not releasing him, as well as Schuster himself, which, again, we will get to later on, as he would have problems with the team management players and setup, etc.
1: I think that we see that Bernd Schuster, with another kind of attitude, he could be one of the 10 best German players in all time. Great pass, great leadership, able to shoot, able to defend but he was, was... Pinpoint
0: he, passes. Let's not forget the pinpoint
1: long passes. He was, and he's totally crazy. That's the yes. problem. <laughs> the, the problem that who he married... Uh, oh, uh, yes. The
0: one the of her time, basically. <laughs> yes. We'll like Gabriella? Is that her name? Yes.
1: Gabriela. Yes, and it was one of the problems because he played... I, I don't remember how many matches in the national team, but really, really fewer than... Uh, the normal because at the time he fought with the national team leadership on the one side in this match we have a rebuilding team like the netherlands and we have a team like germany who is already solid and is going to develop in order to arrive at the best at the world cup it was after the really bad performance in argentina the the idea with this team was not to win but to go as far as possible. That's the idea. And if we compare the match with Switzerland and the match with the, the Netherlands, we have so few changes. We have IK Email as you mentioned, and the, the team was not just built, but we have the basis. Just something curious: the last match of IK Email with the shirt of with the national German team was another match against Netherlands but was the semifinal oh yes in, yes 88 uh, when, Euros, uh, yeah when my beloved Marco Van Basten oh yes, yeah, scored father, the last
0: minute uh, yeah yes, the last minute
1: goal my, yeah because my father is a AC Milan fan and uh, I think he was one of the best players I ever seen but Ben Schuster was on the way to, to become one of the best the problem that was where off the pitch and not on the pitch yes
0: yes We should also mention that during this season, Franz Beckenbauer had returned to the Bundesliga from New York Cosmos and had joined Hamburg. There was some speculation within the media whether he should be recalled to the national team. Of course, Derval at this point, he didn't need him. But he would always respond diplomatically, saying the usual that... He has to first regain his fitness form and on and on. But there was no chance of him getting recalled. But that didn't stop the media from speculating.
1: Also because uh, he came back not to Bayern Munich, but to Hamburg. The reason was quite simple. One was Ernst Happel, who was the Hamburg coach, the first one. The second one, the reason was that the head of the board was Günther Netzer was his teammate, uh, also his uh, first uh, rival during uh, the 70s, but he was one of uh, his closest friends. And uh, he wanted to come back, but not to come back to Bayern. And uh, he regained, and he won the championship. Yes, the following season
0: before retiring. We have one more friendly in November. On November 19th at Hanover's um, Nieder... Sachsenstadion, I don't know if I said it correctly. West Germany took on France. For this match, Derval selected the following squad. Harald Schumacher in goal from Colm, Manfred Kaltz of Hamburg, Bernd Schuster of Barcelona in Spain, Karl-Heinz Forster of Stuttgart, captain side Bernard Dietz of Duisburg, Making his international debut, Karl Algover of Stuttgart, Miroslav Mirko Votava of Borussia Dortmund, Hansi Müller of Stuttgart, Hans-Peter Briegel of Kaiserslautern, Horst Trubesch of Hamburg, and Klaus Alofs of Fortuna Düsseldorf. Magath and Rummenigge missed this match through injury and Schuster was fielded as the libero, given the fact that uh, this time, actually, Schillike was released by Real Madrid, but he had to withdraw through injury. I will also, before getting to I will mention that in the following week, Hamburg were paired with St. Etienne in the UEFA Cup on November 26th and December 10th for the third round of UEFA uh, Cup matches. I will get to the significance after this. This match was a comprehensive West German win, and they would win 4-1. And let me go through the French side as well. You have Dominic Dropsey of Strasbourg in goal, Gerard Jeanvion of St. Etienne, Leonard Spetsch of Strasbourg, Christian Lopez of St. Etienne, Maxime Bossis of Nantes, Jean-François Larios of Saint-Étienne, Jean Tigana of Lyon, captain. the side, Michel Platini of Saint-Étienne, Jacques Zimaco of Saint-Étienne, Dominique Grosto of Paris Saint-Germain. He'll be replaced by Olivier Rouillet of Nancy in the 60th minute. Loïc Amis of Nantes. He'll be replaced by Didier Six of Circle Bruges in Belgium in the 79th minute. The side managed by Michel Hidalgo. West Germany would win this match 4-1. Manfred Kaltz would score a penalty kick in the 6th minute. Hans-Peter Brigel would score in the 37th minute. France would pull a goal back through penalty kick through Jean-Francois Larios in the 39th minute. But in the second half, Horst Hrubasch would score in the 62nd minute and Klaus Olofs in the 89th minute. So ineffective was Michel Platini that after the match, Joop Derval publicly compared him to a general inspecting the field of battle with binoculars. This was a huge win for Germany against a good side. It just showed just how much strength in depth West Germany had, that even without Rummenigge, without Magat, without Stilicke, they could defeat France so comprehensively. Also mention of Karl Algover make his national team debut. He would have a sporadic career with a national team. He would only get 10 caps until 1986. He would have a falling out with Joop Derval following the 1982 World Cup because he didn't select him. Franz Beckenbauer would convince him to get back on the side for the '86 World Cup. But yeah, all in all, he only made 10 appearances, but he was excellent for Stuttgart
1: throughout the decade. Yes, he's the player who played more caps for Stuttgart in uh, Bundesliga. He was quite famous for his powerful uh, shot. I think that his uh, nickname in German was Gnall Gnal- Gover. is like something that explodes. Mm. His shot is exploding shot. And uh, what is interesting, it's like a trivia, we have Miroslav Votava, who was also in the squad during the winning European Championship. But he was one of the first foreign-born players in the recent history of Germany because he was born in Prague. His football career was all in Germany because I think that he came to Germany when he was a child. And one of the legends of Werder Bremen under Rot Rehagel. He played more than 10 years with Stadion. uh, He also played at Atlético Madrid. Yes, At the end of the season, at the end of, uh, no, before it was.
0: Yeah, he returned to Werder Bremen in 86 and led the side to the '88 Bundesliga title. He had a long career with Werder Bremen, you're right. Getting back to the Hamburg and Saint-Étienne match I mentioned. So obviously a lot of French players who played in this match and some of the Hamburg players played again for this uh, UEFA Cup encounter between Hamburg and Saint-Étienne. The Saint-Étienne players, obviously the French players, were very motivated to gain a measure of revenge and pride after this display against West Germany. So on November 26th at Hamburg, Saint-Étienne as the away team won 5-0 with Platini scoring twice as well as Larios and Zimako. And the return leg on December 10th was academic at this point. Saint-Étienne won 1-0. But after this first match that they won 5-0, Platini, after the match, said that this time he left his binoculars at home <laughs> just to answer back at Derval. Now we get to the month of December, and West Germany finally plays its first World Cup qualifier at Sofia at Vasilevski Stadion versus Bulgaria. We have to mention West Germany were in a group with Austria, Bulgaria, Albania, and Finland. And obviously, they were favored to win this group. Incidentally, they had met Austria at the 1970 World Cup. They would be in these qualifiers with Austria. They would play them in the Anschluss match in the 1982 World Cup. They would be again paired in the 1984 qualifiers for the Euros. So they would meet Austria many times during this span of a few years. So for this match at Sofia, there was selected the following squad. Harold Schumacher in goal from Köln, Manfred Kaltz of Hamburg, Uli Stilicke, Real Madrid, Karlheinz Forster, Stuttgart, captain beside Bernard Dietz of Duisburg, Hans-Peter Brigel of Kaiserslautern, Felix Magath of Hamburg, replaced by Ronald Borchers of Eintracht Frankfurt in the 72nd minute. Hansi Müller of Stuttgart. Karl-Hans Rummenigge of Bayern Munich. Horst Huberge of Hamburg. and Klaus Alofs of Fortuna Dusseldorf, He replaced by Mirko Votava of Borussia Dortmund in the 72nd minute. So this was essentially the German starting lineup of Jupp Derwal. So Schuster had to pull out, claiming he had gastric flu. However, it was later discovered that he had actually trained with Barcelona, and this naturally angered Derval. This was yet one more problem that we would have with the national team. We also have to mention that, before we get to the match, that at the end of the year, Hans Rummenigge was the Ballon d'Or winner just a few weeks after this match. And Bernd Schuster actually came second in the voting. So this was a very good year for West German football. Getting back to this match, you have West Germany taking the lead in the 14th minute through Manfred Kaltz. He would double the lead with a penalty kick in the 36th minute. Karhans Rummenigge would score in the 54th minute. Bulgaria would pull a goal back through Zetevan Yonchev in the 66th minute, but this had been a very good away win for West Germany. Even after this one match, they seemed set to qualify. They were so dominant.
1: They had a quite easy group because Finland and Albania were at that moment were so poor. Austria was a quite good team with many players. With some players who played in Bundesliga, German Bundesliga. It was a good match because they dominated, not only technically, but also they were able to manage emotionally the match. And in that stadium, in that situation, we remember that the stadium was quite full. And playing in that situation, not in the best weather situation, the German team was perfect. In that moment, Durval had the, really the basis. Every time trying new players to see to add something. But for example, you you mentioned Berchier's. Uh, he played only six matches. Uh, he didn't play. Will not play the World Cup uh, in Spain. Uh, they try to make some changes to see if you have to need, if you have some reserved players because uh, we know that uh, in order to go to a World Cup. It's, uh, not, it's not good to have only one, 11 good players, but a lot of reserves that uh, you can change because you, you play so many matches in so few time.
0: The end of this year and the start of the new year, 1981, West Germany were invited to the Mundialito tournament in Uruguay. And this was a tournament to celebrate Uruguay's 50th anniversary of the World Cup win and it was to involve previous World Cup winners. For this tournament, Derval would select an 18-man squad to go to uh, Uruguay. You have Harald Schumacher of Köln, Manfred Kaltz of Hamburg, Rainer Bonhoff, the veteran from the 74 and 78 World Cups, was recalled to the national team as uh, both Schuster and Schillike were not released by their clubs. Bonhof had missed the 1980s Euros in the last minute after getting injured. You have karl Forster of Stuttgart, again captaining the side Bernard Dietz of Duisburg, Hans-Peter Brigel of Kaiserslautern, Felix Magath of Hamburg, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge Barn Munich, horst Trubesch Hamburg, Hans-Müller Stuttgart, Klaus Alofs, Fortuna Dusseldorf, backup goalkeeper Ike Emel of Borussia Dortmund, Kurt Niedermeyer of Bayern Munich, Wilfred Hannes of Borussia Mönchengladbach, Miroslav Mirko Votava of Borussia Dortmund, Wolfgang Dremler of Bayern Munich, Karl Algover of Stuttgart, and Ronald Borchers of Eintracht Frankfurt. For this Mundialito. West Germany were grouped with South American opposition, Brazil and Argentina. So far, Derval had only played European teams in his unbeaten streak with a West German national team, but now they had to test themselves against strong South American opposition. On New Year's Day, 1981, at Montevideo's Estadio Centenario, West Germany faced Diego Maradona's Argentina. For this match, Derval started with the following squad. Harald Schumacher in goal of Köln, Manfred Kaltz of Hamburg, karl Hans Forster of Stuttgart, Hans-Peter Briegel of Kaiserslautern, Captain beside Bernard Dietz of Duisburg, Hansi Müller of Stuttgart, Reinhard Bonhoeff of Köln, Felix Magath of Hamburg, Klaus Olofs of Fortuna Dusseldorf, Horst Trubisch of Hamburg, and karl Hans Rummenigge of Bayern Munich. Der would not make any substitutions for this match. As far as Argentina's squad, you have Ubaldo Filo of River Plate in goal, Jorge Olguin of Independiente, Luis Galvan of Talleres de Cordoba, captain side Daniel Passarella of River Plate, Alberto Tarantini of River Plate, Americo Gallego of Newell's Old Boys, Osvaldo Ardiles of Tottenham in England. Diego Maradona of Argentinos Juniors. Daniel Bertoni of Fiorentina in Italy. He'd be replaced by Leopoldo Luque of River Plate in the 68th minute. Ramon Diaz of River Plate. Mario Campes of Valencia in Spain. He'd be replaced by Jose Valencia of Talleres de Cordoba in the 46th minute. And the side managed by Cesar Luis Menotti. West Germany would take the lead in the 41st minute through Horst Trübesch. However, near the end, in the 84th minute, Manfred Kaltz would score an on-goal to tie the match. And with just two minutes remaining, Ramon Diaz scored. And this ended Jupp Derval's 23-match unbeaten run as West Germany manager. As much as they were dominant in Europe, maybe this was somewhat of a wake-up call that they had to deal with South American opposition as well, and the next match would even be a bigger lesson. But let's first talk about this
1: match. I saw it after years, of course, because uh, <laughs> I was not born. And what I remember, that it was a very balanced match. We have two teams, they are not similar, but they are the same level. Then uh, after 80 minutes, not dominating, but in some moments controlling the match, they have five minutes blackout. Right at the end, Argentina scores two goals. And it was uh, interesting because, uh, as you told well, <laughs> it's, it's not like uh, now when we have so the European teams had so many occasions to play against South American teams. And it was never possible in Southern America. In that case, uh, they were defeated, but in my opinion, they are, uh, were at the same level. If it uh, were a tie, there be a draw Well, no problem. It could be good for either. But uh, at the end, they had a five- minutes blackout, and uh, at the end of the match, the Germans are very, very tired. remembering that Germany, in that moment, had uh, like, uh, for many seasons, they had a break. They made it during the break. The winter At break the, in Bundesliga, yeah. Yeah, yes, in winter, winter break until the until January. And it was something not... Because normally German, Germany sometimes in his past and also played some matches during the winter break, but all, were always European matches or home matches. Now they have to travel to South America to play there with a, a different weather because they were in summer in Montevideo. That first match... Give me a good impression. Of course, Argentina was also the World Cup winner. And they had really a great, great team. We have Maradona, but we have, as you mentioned, Campes. It was practice the same team that won two years before. And it could be possible to lose against that team. But not in that way, because for some moments of the match, Germany played well and tried not to make play so much Maradona few days
0: later, on January 7th, they faced Brazil, Tele Santana's Brazil, again at Montevideo's Estadio Centenario. For this match, Derval selected the following squad Harald Schumacher in goal from Cologne, Manfred Kaltz of Hamburg. He'd be replaced by international debutant Wolfgang Dremler in the 35th minute of Bayern Munich, Karl-Heinz Forster of Stuttgart, Hans-Peter Brigel of Kaiserslautern, Captain the side, Bernard Dietz of Duisburg, Hansi Müller of Stuttgart, Reiner Bonhoeff of Köln playing in his final match for West Germany. This was his 53rd and final cap. His first cap had been in 1972. He certainly was not beneficiary of this tour that essentially ended his international career. So you have Felix Magath of Hamburg, Klaus Alofs of Fortuna Dusseldorf. He replaced by Karl Algover in the 73rd minute. Mirko Votava playing in his fifth and final cap for West Germany. And his first cap had been in 1979. Mirko Votava of Borussia Dortmund. And Karl-Heinz Rummenigge of Bayern Munich. Going through the Brazilian lineup, you have Joao Leite of Atlético Mineiro, Edevaldo of Fluminense. He replaced by Getulio of Sao Paulo in the 78th minute. Oscar of Sao Paulo, Luisinho of Atlético Mineiro, Junior of Flamingo, Batista of Internacional Porto Alegre, Toninho Cerezo of Atlético Mineiro, Tita of Flamingo, He'd be replaced by Serginho of Sao Paulo in the 56th minute. Paulo Isidoro of Grêmio. Socrates of Corinthians. And Ze Sergio of Sao Paulo. So this is a side without Zico. It's still a very good side. For this match, West Germany actually took the lead through Klaus Aloes in the 54th minute. But after that, they just imploded. And maybe it was fatigue, but Brazil just took over. And just two minutes later, Junior scored in the 56th minute to tie the match. A few minutes later, in the 61st minute, Toninho Cerezo scored. Then Serginho scored in the 76th minute. And Sergio in the 82nd minute. This 4-1 loss was West Germany's heaviest loss since losing to France 6-3 during the 1958 World Cup. This match and this tour, again, showed that at this point, probably Brazil were the strongest team in the world as much as West Germany were the strongest in Europe. They had their work cut out if they wanted to win the World Cup in 1982, and they had to deal with Brazil. There were also some issues of indiscipline during the tour. It was reported that Rumenige, Kaltz, Hansi Müller, and Brigel had broken curfew and left the team hotel a number of occasions. There were reports of heavy drinking by the German squad. Who knows if this is true, but apparently the hotel staff disclosed that the West German players had drank as much as 1,200 bottles of beer during their stay. I think it was a case of they would just rather have rested and not played on this tour.
1: Jen, the problem it was even if they were stubborn, they lost, I think. But remember that in my opinion, there are some issues. First of all, Brazil played quite different football from all other countries in Europe. So technical, they have some players, maybe Brazilian colleagues told me that they considered that team after the Pele winning team in Mexico the best of every time they have five players they could play with the number ten of course they were fed you they did not make it the life athletes they were tired and Everything put together makes the hardest defeat against Brazil after the war, before the 6-0, they lost to Spain during the Nations League, uh, some times ago. And also, they, for example, they lost 4-1 against Italy before the World Cup in 2006. But it was right, right. hard because it was the, a moment when German team understand that to win, they have to improve. They have to improve to be one of the uh, World Cup contenders. Because Europe, there are Italy, some other teams, but Brazil was up above all the others. Again, another
0: mention of Reiner Bonhoeff, one of the old stars of another era at this point, coming towards the end of his career, clearly not up to the task, and they clearly missed Schuster and Stilicke for some stability. A few months after that, on April 1st, they resumed the World Cup qualifiers. This time at Tirana against Albania, which would seem like a straight affair and Germany were expected to win. For this match, you have Harald Schumacher of Cold and Goal, Manfred Kaltz of Hamburg, Uli Stilicke of Real Madrid, Karl-Heinz Forster of Stuttgart. He'd be replaced by international debutante. Wilfred Hannes of Borussia Mönchengladbach in the 75th minute. Capping the side, Bernard Dietz of Duisburg. Bernd Schuster of Barcelona. Felix Magath of Hamburg. Hansi Müller of Stuttgart. Karl-Heinz Rummenigge of Bayern Munich. Horst Trubesch of Hamburg. And Klaus Alofs of Fortuna Dusseldorf. You have Schuster back in the side. And... He would have a very good match. He would score both goals in the ninth and the 71st minute. West Germany were on their way. Now, incidentally, it was after this match that Jup Derval made the decision to recall Paul Breitner to the national team. At this point, Breitner is having an excellent season at Bayern Munich. He's the kingpin of the team. Him and Rummenigge are basically considered the double act for Bayern Munich. They're dominating Bundesliga and Europe, etc. This would hasten the departure of Bernard Dietz from the national team, but we'll discuss that. But as far as this match itself, it showed that on his day, Ben Schuster can be of great service, but unfortunately this wouldn't last, but Good win at an inhospitable place for West Germany.
1: Yes, because the only time as West Germany failed to qualify for a major tournament was the European Championship in 1968 and they lost to Albania and they were not managed to qualify against Albania. He played really well also because uh, no Albanian players played outside. They were quite a uh, poor league, but uh, as you told me very well, it was n- never easy to win in that countries and uh, on that field. But the, the highlights of this is, as you told me, that after a few days, you've decided to recall Paul Breitner and to exclude Bernard Dietz because uh, Breitner was in the following two years uh, one of the leaders of the team that uh, will go until the final of uh, Spain World Cup.
0: To remind everyone, Paul Breitner was one of the 1974 World Cup winners. In fact, he scored the first penalty kick for West Germany in the final. He, shortly there, he left for Real Madrid and played there a few seasons. He left the West German national team in 1975. After he wasn't called up, there were some problems with the helmet shown. We have to remind ourselves that around those times, if... Players played for foreign teams. For most part, they were not always called up to the national team because it was a hassle to get their release and things as such. It wasn't like today where everyone more or less plays for a foreign team. It was a different world at the time. And there were a few occasions where he was not called up and he was just angered and just quit the team in 1975.
1: In Germany, it was the issue you talk about was so strong because uh, there was a period during the German football history players who played in foreign countries, they couldn't play for Germany. I I make you an example. In the 90s when uh, Germany lost to Italy at Azteca the semi-final, we have few players who played outside. For example, one was karl Schnellinger who played for AC Milan, but there are so few. Normally, there are few German players who played outside for example Helmut Haller but they are so few but uh, if they were not so good they didn't play and uh, when uh, for example uh, with Gunther Netzer, they had the same problem because Gunther Netzer played for Real Madrid and they began not to call him it was a mutual decision because for some players like Netzer, who won a World Cup it could be a problem to come back to play for Germany remember that uh, Netzer, for this reason, played 21 minutes in a World Cup. 21. And he was one of the best players. And the, the recall of Breitner is, was uh, sometimes uh, the German team lack of uh, leadership. And uh, Breitner was a wonderful player and was a wonderful leader because they know everyone, especially they came from, uh, for example, Heinz Stromenighe, one of uh, his uh, friends at Bayern Munich.
0: At the end of that month, on April 29th at Hamburg's World Park Stadion, West Germany hosted Austria, their closest rival potentially. So for this match, you have Harald Schumacher of Kohl and Goal, Manfred Kaltz of Hamburg, Ulrich Stilicke of Real Madrid, Karlheinz Forster of Stuttgart, Hans-Peter brigel of Kaiserslautern, Paul Breitner of Bayern Munich, Bernd Schuster of Barcelona, Felix Magath of Hamburg, Hansi Müller of Stuttgart, Karl Hans the new captain of West Germany, of Bayern Munich. And incidentally, at Bayern, Paul Breitner was the captain, but at West Germany, Rummenigge was the captain. And Klaus Fischer of Schalke, another recall. He was having a very good season, even though Schalke would, uh, I think they would get relegated that season. But uh, Klaus Fischer had earned a recall to the national team, and he would join Köln for the following season. So Klaus Fischer, he was replaced by Karl Algover of Stuttgart in the 77th minute. I believe Fischer had suffered a serious injury, and he'd been out of the team for like over a year, I think. Now that Dietz was out of the team, his spot at left-back was occupied by Hans-Peter Briegel. Briegel had been pushed into the defense to accommodate Breitner in midfield. Let's go to the Austria side as well. You have Friedrich Konsilia of Austria-Vienna, Bernd Krauss of Rapid-Vienne, Eric Obermeier of Austria-Vienne, Bruno Petsay, at this time he was at Eintracht Frankfurt, at West Germany, later John Werder Bremen, Dieter Mierneck of Duisburg in West Germany, Herbert Prohaska of International Milan in Italy, Roland Hattenberger of Stuttgart in West Germany, he replaced by Heribert Weber of Rapid Vienna in the 69th minute, Kurt Jara of Schalke in West Germany, Reinhold Hintermeyer of Nuremberg in West Germany. He replaced by Ernst Bömeister of Austria Vienna in the 69th minute. Kurt Velzel of AZ67 Alkmaar in Holland. And finally, Hansi Krankel of Rapid Vienna, one of the heroes of the 78 World Cup. And the side was managed by Karl Stotz. So West Germany won this match. Bern Kraus scored an own goal in the 30th minute. And uh, returning Klaus Fischer scored in the 36th minute. And West Germany took another step towards qualification with this win against what was seen as their nearest rivals.
1: A great Austrian side. We have Petsay, Prohaska. Praska is the first foreign players who played for Inter Milan after the, the reopening of uh, Italian football borders? They had a great team, and it was uh, quite not easy, but uh, they tried to control quite well the match. and also was Carl Fischer a uh, after if uh, you want, we can talk because uh, it's the the classical player who was born in the wrong place at the wrong time. Because in another country, in another moment, he could be the best scoring player.
0: Up until the 1982 World Cup, he would be a prolific goal scorer. And his recall to the national team was also very key for Derval. But obviously the talk was about the return of Paul Breitner. Uh, He just fit in perfectly after so many years because of his personality, his talent. Naturally became a leader for this team. And again, let's, we can talk about Dietz again. He had been publicly opposed to Breitner's recall because he felt he was a bad influence. But Derval made a choice, obviously.
1: I remember that uh, the, the, great, the great problem of uh, Paul Breitner that anyone remember him for his uh, attitude outside the, of out the pitch. He was maliced. He had some ideas, but he was a wonderful player. He could play in defense. He could play in midfield. His technique was perfect. And uh, he had a great leadership. And alongside uh, Rumenige, he was the leader, uh, was the leader of that national team. Where, when you have so many good players, but not so many leaders. The other one was Arnold Schumacher. But Arnold Schumacher had the same problem of Bern Schuster. He's, he was totally crazy. He released a book, I think, some years later when yes. we talk about anyone. 1997, and yeah. uh, Yes, talk about anyone and he was excluded by the national team because uh, he said what he thinks. And yeah. in the football world, it's sometimes it's not so good for him. Yes. That book in English, I
0: guess the title translation was, I think, Final Whistle. But anyway, in that book, he talks about Paul Breitner's influence within the national team. And he said that Paul Breitner was a negative influence in the sense that he would lead the players into drinking sessions and things as such. But nevertheless... Next day, it was as if the alcohol had not affected him. And he was just as uh, dominant as ever. We come to May 19th. Brazil are on a tour of Europe. And as part of their matches, they're to face West Germany. This is for the second time this season, they face West Germany. This was at Stuttgart. uh, Stuttgart's Stadion on May 19th. Once again, Stilicke was not released by Real Madrid, and Schuster was asked to play only one half by his club Barcelona. You have the following West German lineup. Harald Schumacher of Köln. He He'd be replaced by Eich Emil of Dortmund in the 46th minute. Manfred Kaltz of Hamburg. Wilfried Hannes of Borussia Mönchengladbach. Karl-Heinz Forster of Stuttgart. Hans-Peter Briegel of Kaiserslautern, Bern Schuster of Barcelona. He'd be replaced by Bernard Dietz of Duisburg in the 46th minute. This would be his final match for Germany. This was his 53rd cap. His first cap had been 1974. I'm surprised after all that he was actually recalled for this match. But uh, given the problems he had, Maybe this was just one final match in front of a home crowd. Then you have Paul Breitner of Bayern Munich, Felix Magath of Hamburg, capping the side, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge of Bayern Munich, Klaus Fischer of Schalke. He'd be replaced by Karl Algover of Stuttgart in the 62nd minute and Hansi Müller of Stuttgart. For Brazil, you have Valdir Perez of Sao Paulo, Ede Valdo of Fluminense, Oscar of Sao Paulo, Luisinho of Atlético Mineiro, Junior of Flamingo, Toninho Cerezo of Atlético Mineiro, Socrates of Corinthians, Zico of Flamingo, he'd be replaced by Vitor of Flamingo in the 87th minute, Paulo Isidoro of Gremio, Cesar of Vasco da Gama, he'd be replaced by Carlos Renato of Sao Paulo in the 58th minute, and Eder of Atletico Mineiro in the side managed by Tele Santana. For this match, West Germany would take the lead through Klaus Fischer in the 30th minute. Brazil would tie the match through Toninho Cerezo in the 61st minute, and Junior would score Brazil's winner in the 74th minute. For the second time in the season, West Germany lost to a strong Brazilian side. We should also mention that Paul Breitner, Failed to score from a twice retaken penalty kick in the 80th minute. In any case, this was West Germany's first home defeat since losing against Brazil in 1978, in April 1978. To make matters worse, following the match, once again, Bernd Schuster's problems with the national teams came to the fore. Apparently, Hansi Müller had thrown a party and had invited the entire squad. But Schuster refused to attend that party. His excuse was that he had to return to Barcelona because of club commitments. But Derval didn't like his attitude that everyone was invited, but he chose not to participate at this party. So again, this is yet another story of Schuster with the national team it showed his continuous problems with the squad. For West Germany, once again, despite the return of Breitner, they were aware that Brazil were the favourites going into this World Cup, perhaps.
1: Of course, uh, there was not so easy this defeat like in Mundialito. But in this case, uh, it was hard. But Germany played quite well. But in my opinion... Brazil remain the best team in the world, and I think that anyone think uh, to it uh, until the at-trick, uh, uh, Paulo Rossi at-trick uh, during the World Cup. When we see Brazil matches, we see a modern team, really technique a lot. So many players here. We have Junior, Socrates, Tonio Cerezo, Zico, and in this one, uh, maybe Socrates is uh, the fifth. Uh, Consider the four or fifth best players in uh, G- Brazil history. Zico, the third one, we have uh, maybe one of the best Brazils ever, but uh, is a, a little step forward for Germany. But we have the pro. Then Germany had to uh, manage Banister's problem, but uh, after uh, sometimes they decided not to manage him, simply excluding him. That's the only way to manage him. <laughs>
2: Brazil had just won in um, England and France on that tour as well. So they, they were, as, as you've said, probably the best team in the world at the time. So it's certainly no, no disgrace losing to that team.
0: Yes, playing the Jogo Bonito. We come to the final match of the season. Another World Cup qualifier. In fact, this was just five days after the match against Brazil. They went to Lati at Finland. For this match, we have the following lineup. Harald Schumacher of Köln, Wilfred Hannes of Borussia Mönchengladbach, Manfred Kaltz of Hamburg, Karl-Heinz Forster of Stuttgart, Hans-Peter Briegel of Kaiserslautern, Wolfgang Dremmler starting for the first time from Barn Munich, Felix Magath of Hamburg, He'd be replaced by Ronald Borchers of Eintracht Frankfurt in the 76th minute. Paul Breitner of Bayern Munich. Hansi Müller of Stuttgart. He'd be replaced by Karl Algover of Stuttgart in the 76th minute. Karl-Heinz Rummenigge, Captain the site from Bayern Munich. And Klaus Fischer of Schalke. This was a very comfortable West Germany win. They won 4-0 away from home. Hans-Peter Briegel scored in the 25th minute. Klaus Fischer in the 36th and the 80th minute. And Manfred Kaltz in the 40th minute. So this was their fourth consecutive win in their World Cup qualifying group. They were well on their way to qualify to the World Cup without any problems. They ended the season on a good note. They were, at this point as they were in the beginning of the season, the best team in Europe, perhaps not the world as they had to deal with Brazil, but definitely the strongest team in Europe. Very comfortable, very subtle squad. Like you said, Schumacher, Kaltz, Forster, Briegel, Magath, now Breitner, Hansi Müller, Rummenigge, Fischer. They seem to be a backbone of the team. It seems like towards this end of the season, Klaus Alofs had lost his place within the squad with Fischer back in. And Rubic was also missing for his last couple of matches. I think that may have been because of injury. But nevertheless, it was a settled squad. You have final holdovers from 78 out of the squad, the likes of Bonhoeff and Dietz. And it's just a balanced side. Added with the experience and talents of Breitner. So at this point, German football was an upward swing, we can, we can say.
1: It was maybe you tell that you told that it was the, the best one, maybe alongside France, but uh, it was the France of Platini and the France of Rocheto. But Germany, as you said, there was a complete team in every part of the pitch we have a good goalkeeper we have a good defense good midfielders and also not not only a player like rumenige we have also klaus fischer who in the history in bundesliga history is the second scorer ever behind uh, garmeler and he was a really really good player not playing for a top team in a, a european top team because schalke was in one of the worst moment or his recent history. Maybe the, the, the worst is nowadays, no. but, <laughs> yeah, but it was a good team and it was really ready to be one of the contenders because uh, the other strong part of him was the teamgeist to be a team. And uh, why uh, was Durval so worried for Schuster's attitude? Because uh, they really, really think that be a team is. They have not the talented player of Brazil, but uh, they are the a team like the other team they will uh, play against uh, in the World Cup final. Italy, Italy, has good players, really good players, but uh, there's not five, six world players like Brazil, or also like like Argentina, not, but like Brazil, yes.
0: At this point, no one could have imagined that Italy. Would win in a year's time, but that's how football is. Getting back to Fischer, yeah, you, like you said, Schalke were relegated, but at this, he would join a good team in Coln for the following season and play the last two three years with a decent in, side. Uh, yes, I think yeah. it
1: was. Yes, he played for. Yes, he played for Cologne, and then for Bochum. Yes, at yes, the end, right. at it was the the end. The, the, right. the end of this uh, of his uh, career. Yeah. and uh, if we see his score his total score with german national team forty five games played thirty two goals not oh. uh, but but it was a high grade for a player who is not uh, for some years was not the first choice of his uh, of the national coach but he was a really great player but he was between Müller and karline schenig and uh, Anyone uh, remembers team, especially outside the Germany. So few because uh, we remember uh, Romanija and remember Gernhöller, not uh, or Jurgen Klinsmann that he played after, but not him.
0: Paul, what do you remember from this team?
2: Just it was a, a really strong team, obviously, but very consistent as well. You almost never get the slip ups that Italy and certainly England would would have. You know, people just expected West Germany to, to win these games. And uh, as we've seen with the qualifiers, they just did with with almost no problems. It was just so rare for them to get a, a surprise result. Obviously, when they're matched up against Argentina and Brazil, it's a different sort of challenge. But definitely in Europe and in these qualifications for, for years and years as well, that was the case that people expected them to get through with no problems. Just a really consistent, strong team at the time.
0: Do you remember around this time, all the newspaper talks were about Breitner and Rummenigge and how good they were doing? They were the kingpins of Bayern Munich and so forth. Was there any such talk in England about them? or?
2: I think the the player that was mentioned more than them would definitely have been Schuster because I think he made such an impression at the the European Championships and he was so highly regarded. Um, that he was expected to be the the, the heart of that team really. Yeah. So I think that, that was more the the English perspective. Obviously Ruminiger was well known, but as we know there was less focus on the domestic football in, in, right. in other countries.
0: Tony Woodcock, had he joined Colm that season or was it the year after?
2: I, I think he was there this season, yeah. Season. yeah. So, I think yeah. I think he was there, yeah. Yeah, there so, was there was some contact and there was there was some interest, but yeah, as, as we say all the time, just nothing like the, right. the coverage that we had now.
0: As far as our takeaways, just which we pretty much said it, it's just a balanced side, settled side. You see more or like less the same players playing every match, except when, you know, Stilike is unavailable or Schuster is unavailable. Derval had pretty much settled on a squad. It was hard to get into this side. I mean, you have Dremler, who would be present in '82, but uh, the Algovers, Borchers, players like that would be peripheral figures.
1: We we have also to remember that uh, the national teams played so fewer than nowadays. We have two uh, substitution, two possible subs, but you make a team with uh, four or five other players who could play. On this side now, with so many matches, uh, so many choices, uh, it's really, really quite different. I make you an example with Italy. With, it, uh, with Italy, we won the World Cup. They had uh, practice a uh, team with uh, 13, 14 players who could play. I make you an example. Antonioni or Antonioni or Graziani. Uh, if you don't have, uh, for example, Collovati, he had a problem. Uh, during Brazil match, and we played Pergomi. He was a, a, not an absolute debutant, but uh, it was uh, his first uh, World Cup. He was uh, 18. But uh, if you see the matches, uh, Italy played always with the same team. Not changing a lot. And in that years, it was quite normal. And also for Germany, if, you comp- if we compare all the lineups, we see one, Two maximum three changes from a match to another. Now we have a turnover was not invent, was not invented yet. Also for national teams for clubs not, but for national team too.
0: We look ahead to season that's gonna kind of culminate with the World Cup. But like we said, as far as the qualifiers, West Germany would steamroll through these qualifiers. At this point, also, there's no longer speculation about Beckenbauer. I can imagine if the results were not going in Derval's way, there probably would be more stronger claim to recall Beckenbauer, whether he wanted to or not. At this point, Derval is in a very strong
1: position. Also because uh, when you have uh, Beckenbauer in your side, he cannot stay on the bench. That's the problem. Yes. Because uh, Germany at that time had the liberal. I didn't like personally, like Stilike, but he, was, uh, he had uh, gr- really good technique. He can read the passes and the tactic. But uh, if you have Beckenbauer, Beckenbauer is uh, not who invented liberal's role, but uh, he had also a strong personality, a strong uh, leadership. Uh, for many of them, uh, he was uh, an idol. For the youngest, and it was so difficult when you have to manage a, a great team towards a World Cup to play with anyone who wants to play. I make you an example nowadays. It's like uh, with Buffon. Why do you want to want the Buffon in the national team? Because it's quite difficult to say one of the best goalkeepers in the history to say, okay, you stay on the bench. We'll play a guy like Donnarumma who was born in the year. After two years, then you have, you make your national team de- uh, debut. It's quite it's quite difficult to explain that.
2: Yeah, it's someone from a different generation, really, isn't it? Playing in, playing that team, I think it's quite difficult to integrate that.
0: And in fact, Paul, when Bobby Robson took over as England manager, there was a situation with Kevin Keegan that's kind of similar. That if he called him up, he had to play him. So maybe it was yeah. easier not just not to call him up.
2: Exactly. And also Keegan was, you know, such a, a huge star and a European footballer of the year that really he would he would dominate that team just by his reputation. And, and that might be similar with, with Beckenbauer and, and West Germany. It'd almost be bringing a personality in who'd who'd overshadow the rest of the team in some way.
0: But with the team doing so well. That's a problem that was solved, that uh, he didn't have to uh, deal with that headache, that media speculation continuously hanging over him. All in all, a very positive year for German football, starting with a Euro win to a very strong season. Bundesliga is an excellent league in Europe at this point, one of the most competitive leagues. In the Ballon d'Or, Rummenigge won. He would win again at the end of that year. Schuster second. In fact, for 1981, Rummenigge would win again. I think Breitner would finish second and Schuster would finish third. So it was like a clean sweep of West Germany. So very good year for West Germany around this time. We look forward to the next season and discussing... The next season of West German national team. Once again, we would like to thank Mr. Brambia for his participation in this interview. As thank you for o- invitation. Thank you. As always, feel free to leave questions and comments. You may contact me on my blog and Facebook under Soccer Nostalgia on Twitter. I'm at sp1873. Mr. Paul Will can be contacted on his blog the 1888 letter on Twitter he's at 1888 letter you may follow the podcast on Spotify under soccer nostalgia talk podcast Mr. Brambia can be contacted on Twitter at Bobby Brambo his blog Langolo di Fritz Walter dot wordpress dot com that's an Italian language that blog of German football
1: yes is yes. in Italian.
0: Yes. And a link to his book is also attached on this uh, Spotify and the blog posting, and as, as is the rest of your contact information. So once again, thank you, Roberto. Thank you. Very good talk.
1: And thank you, Sean. And thank you, Paul.
2: And thank we'll you. look forward to speaking next time.
1: Indeed. Thank you.